sure is good to look out and see each of you here this beautiful what is our christmas uh service this year we uh we we knew that christmas eve fell the day before uh which is on a sunday and so many churches in town have chosen not to have a sunday morning service and just come back for the christmas eve services which i understand but we really wanted to honor the Lord on the Lord's day and give him the first fruits of our life, which is to worship him on Sunday morning. Ever since Jesus was raised from the dead, the church has been worshiping God on Sunday. And so uh, thank you for being here, being here strongly in support. We've kind of tried to meld the two together, the Christmas Eve and the Sunday morning service here this morning. We only do this once every now and then, you know, and normally we don't find that Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. But, uh, but I hope that you've enjoyed the service. It was wonderful to have the kids participate. And we're going to reintroduce them into the service as we come to the final moment of our service where we light the Christ candle in the Advent candles. And so we'll have them come back and join us at that time. Right now, I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and uh, go ahead and open to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. All month long, we have been preaching a series, The Invisible Became Visible. Obviously, we're speaking of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came in flesh and blood to this earth. And he came for a specific purpose. And, of course, Christmas is a time when we celebrate uh, the birth of our Lord. But that has so many different meanings to so many different people around the globe. And, and I just thought that this morning, starting out just for a little humor and fun, I wanted to share with you uh, uh, really what do people do at Christmas time? And so what does Christmas mean to you? Uh, what do you do at Christmas? Well, uh, Maybe you'll find some of these to, to be uh, fitting. Uh, you've done them or you're going to do them even yet as we, as we speak. Uh, by the way, there, there is still time before tomorrow morning to get some of these done. And I'm sure some of you just can't wait to race out of here and get on the list. Okay. Uh, I'm only trying to be helpful. Okay. Um, so you could decorate a gingerbread house this afternoon. Okay. Maybe some of you are clicking, checking the box and saying, nope, already done it. It's good. We're good to go. How about decorating uh, your Christmas tree? <laughs> that might, might be a nice thought on Christmas Eve. Go ahead and get the tree decorated. How about send Santa a letter? Send Santa a letter. How about travel across town in traffic just so you can stand and stare at Christmas lights? Sounds like fun. Rini and I drove into town last night, uh, coming back from uh, New Smyrna, where we visited with her family and had Christmas celebration with them yesterday. And we came into town it was, as it was just getting dark, and we noticed, man, the traffic was backed up like to 82nd Avenue from like 66th Avenue. That's what it seemed like. It wasn't that far, but it was long. And sure enough, everybody was going to, you know, see the Christmas decorations, waiting in line for that. And uh, we were glad we were heading home. Amen. Okay. Here's one. Go ice skating. Now, I'm sure a lot of you haven't thought about that. 
but you need to give thought. Your children are waiting on that. And, and all you have to do is get in your car and drive up to Rockledge Rock to the Space Coast Iceplex, and this afternoon you can be ice skating. How about visit, now this is just one of the things that people do, visit a Christmas tree. I'm sure it's referring to like the Rockefeller Plaza, that kind of a thing. But can you imagine just standing in the front yard of your neighbor's house looking through his picture window, just standing there staring at his tree? I ought to maybe try that. I didn't say it, though. Um, watch Christmas movies. How about bake Christmas cookies? How about decorate an ugly Christmas sweater? How about drink some eggnog? Um, how about go caroling? Last but not least, and I just have to throw this in there, but again, I'm just trying to help you. You could make a snowman. <laughs> Service is going to let out in time for you to climb in your cars, head to Beach Mountain, North Carolina. You'll be there by 9.30 tonight. Make the snowman, get back in the car, and you'll be home in time to open gifts in the morning. You still have time. You can pull this off. It's doable. Do it. So why do we celebrate Christmas? Everybody has a reason, and the festivities uh, cover a whole gamut of different things. But why? Well, we say it's because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And when I say that, in your mind right now pops in a little manger scene that maybe when you grew up, there was one in your front yard. Little baby Jesus there, you know, six pound, two ounce baby, maybe he was a little bigger, six pound, 12, eight ounce baby Jesus, 20 inches long, and there he is in that little manger. For some people, it is a picture. It's a picture of Jesus, even though they don't know anything about Jesus. It's possible for us as Christians to lose sight of who Jesus is. Why is it so important that we celebrate the birth of Jesus? The Gospel of John, we've been preaching through the month of December and covering different aspects of verse 1 through 18. And let me just read a portion for you again. It's as if John is giving us his take on the Christmas story he starts out and he says, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. That means logos. It's reference to Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Son, was with the Father, and he is God. And he was in the beginning with God. It restates that. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Little baby Jesus lying in a manger just isn't a big enough picture, folks, for this Christmas season. Let me say it again. Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light 
of men. Jesus is the light. We're going to celebrate that last candle, the Christmas Christ candle, which symbolizes that he is the light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. He came to bear witness about Jesus. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The world is celebrating the birth of Jesus, yet the world is not in the light. So what are they really celebrating? Because if you celebrate truly Jesus, you are in the light. And we know that Jesus himself said that the world is in darkness. In fact, John says that. He says he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. We could add right there, even though they celebrate him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He was speaking of the Jews. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Christos, anointed one, Messiah, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. They were born of God. Because they found the light in him, he illuminated them. When the visible became visible, invisible became visible. The Christmas story has an incredible backstory. Isn't that true for most stories that are great stories? You think the story is so incredible when you hear it, and you go, man, that's, that's so, it's awesome. And then you hear the backstory, and you're like, wow. I had an experience like that on Friday. I did a, a service for David Tyrus, a funeral service. In 2004, David was stricken with cancer, both in his brain and also in his spine. They performed surgery that year, and it was unsuccessful. In that same year, David's son was born, Zachary. And yesterday at the service, while or went Friday at the service when I was sitting there next to Zachary. I was sitting next to a 19-year-old boy as he looked forward at the pictures of his dad. And I remembered the backstory that Ramona had shared with me. When Zachary was born and David was diagnosed with cancer, David prayed to God and said, God, would you allow me to live my life in such a way as to shine your light for however long I'm here. And God, I'm asking that you would allow me to see my son become a man. 19 years with cancer. If you listen to the people talk at that service about David, you would have thought David was six foot ten, strapping, muscular 
had it all together, could do anything, go anywhere, whatever. David lived a full life, but he was racked with pain. His body was hunched over. He was out of shape. He couldn't even stand towards the end because cancer had so riddled his body. But David lived every day, even with great pain, thankful to God for another day to share Jesus with people. They said it didn't matter who you were. If you were his lawn man, you were going to hear about Jesus. If you were his nurse in the hospital, you learned about Jesus. If you were his doctor, his surgeon, you learned about Jesus. David lived for Christ. Why? Because Christ had illuminated his heart, and God honored that father's request and let him live 19 years with cancer so he could see his son as a man. Well, there's a great backstory on Jesus. We're here celebrating the birth of Jesus, but I'm going to tell you some of the backstory, and this backstory is going to really mess with your thinking about God. I'm going to tell you the part about God that preachers don't preach, that most people sitting in the pew chair have never heard. They've been given a picture of God that fits what man wants to hear. It it would be as if God was made in the image of man. And you know that's not true. Man was made in the image of God. So let me give you some of this backstory. God didn't create us because he was lonely. When I talk about God, I want to talk about the fact that God, who is eternal in nature, broke through in flesh and blood, in time and space, in this world. To truly ponder the depth of the incarnation of Christ, we have to go back to the foundational understanding about God. God is self-existent. God is self-satisfied. God is self-contained. God is self-sufficient. He is totally independent from us. There has never been a time that God needed you. Everything he needs is in himself. He didn't create us because he was lonely. It's not like God had a need inside of himself that was unmet by himself. It was something that himself, he could not provide it for him. And God didn't create us because there was a hole in his heart that needed to be filled. He didn't create the universe because he had something he needed to prove. God was eternally existent before anything was created. And he was perfectly self-sufficient, self-contained, self-satisfied. Everything he needed he had. God is all-sufficient in himself. He's not made in our image. 
He's not trying to measure up to us or hope that somehow we will pray to receive him. God doesn't need us. And I know the picture I'm drawing right now is causing you to think, well, good grief, I don't know if I like that God. No, what it is is you're so in love with the God that doesn't exist. I'm trying to bring you back to the God that does so that you'll come to a deeper understanding and appreciation for the story of the birth of Jesus. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, it, it was written in 1647. Let me just read this little snippet for you from the catechism. <laughs> it says, quote, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, end quote. That's God. Genesis begins our understanding of God in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God. That's not saying that God came about in the beginning. God existed before the beginning. In the beginning, when the beginning began, God was already there. He's always existed. And it says God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. How did he create the heavens and the earth? The scripture gives us the indication that God simply spoke and it formed. Nothing became something because God spoke it into existence. I'm talking about God who has always existed in eternity past, who decided when there was nothing in the counsel of his will, according to the manifestation of his own glory, he spoke things into existence. And the highest form of all that he created is you and I. God created man. He created woman after his image. But I want you to see this because you're not going to have the full appreciation for the birth of Jesus, God coming into this world in flesh and blood until you first understand who God is and Psalm 93, verse 2 says this, Your throne is established from old. And the question is, how old? How old is God's throne? Well, the next part of the verse gives the answer. You are from everlasting. How far is that? Everlasting. Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is without beginning, he is without end, and at no point did God not exist. 
And so when you have that kind of God and Christ being the Son of God with the Father, the Holy Spirit being God with the Father, all of them, three persons, one being, one God, and for eternity past they've existed, and for eternity future they will exist. And yet there was a moment where God begins to open up and create what is now known as time and space and matter. And God is right smack dab doing it with his own words, speaks it into existence. And then he puts man, the highest form of creation, in this world. And man, he gives man the, he, man's an image bearer, an image of God bearer. God gave him the opportunity to name the animals, to subdue the garden, to be fruitful and multiply. God gave man something that no other animal has, the ability to choose, the mind, the will. And man chose. And man chose poorly. Man chose sin. You've got this eternal God now that has this creation and has this man and woman made after his image, and they've chosen something other than him. They've chosen to follow the creation rather than the creator. And we have this terrible experience now. This story goes dark. It got so bad that God had to clothe them with animal skins Blood had to be sacrificed. Until that moment in time, there was no blood sacrifice in the Garden of Eden. But God had to cover them with animal skin. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And then God cast them out of the garden, and he said, it's appointed unto man to die. And every man does die physically. Some people say to me, well, see, God lied there. He said that man would die. Man didn't die. Adam left the garden and lived for hundreds of years. He died spiritually, and that's what God was referencing. And he would die physically, and he did. The reality is, church, that this God who's always existed, who doesn't need us, didn't need to create us, didn't have something missing in his heart, he, out of the out of the counsel of his own will, out of his own sovereign will, he chose to create us. I love what A.W. Pink, a great theologian, had to say. Listen to this quote. Quote, in eternity past, God was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, in need of nothing, adding a universe, heavenly beings, and speaking the, uh, the earth into existence, None of this changed God in the least. He changes not. Therefore, his central glory can neither be augmented nor diminished. God was under no constraint, no obligation, no necessity to create. That he chose to do so was purely a sovereign act on his part, caused by nothing outside of himself, determined by nothing but his own good pleasure. For he works all things after the counsel of his will, and that he did create was simply for his manifested glory. Why did God make us? Why are you here? 
for the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the worship of God. I, I hope you feel overwhelmed by these thoughts about God. I, I would think that to think about these things about God being everlasting and living everlasting and that he didn't need me, he didn't need to create, but he did. In the counsel of his own will, he chose to create us. I, I hope that humbles you today. Not just to see a little baby lying in a manger, but to see God who comes to rescue a fallen man who could not save himself from his own misdeeds. I hope it humbles you. Here's why. Because the Bible says, God gives grace to the humble. If we read further in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, Look at this now, full of grace and truth. God showed grace in the Garden of Eden when he put the angels to protect the entrance of the garden so man could never return. That was an act of grace. God showed grace by creating animal skins that would cover the nakedness of man, what revealed the sinfulness of man. But the fullness of grace never came in the Old Testament. The fullness of grace didn't come until Jesus Christ shows up, God in human form. In fact, he goes further. John bore, verse 15, witness about him and cried out, This was of he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. In other words, all the grace that you need comes through Jesus Christ. This little baby is no longer a little baby. He's now the glorified Christ who's been raised from the dead, who's seated at the right hand of the Father right now whose eyes are, are, are red like fire, whose voice is like the sound of a mighty rushing waterfall, whose hair is white like wool. He's no longer a little baby. He is a glorified Christ who's returning again for those who have placed their trust in him as Savior. He goes on in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law of the Old Testament, while it was truth, it wasn't all the truth. The law of Moses could never bring you into fullness with God. There was some truth that wasn't in it. It wasn't supposed to be in it. It was simply there enough truth to point you to the truth, Jesus all the truth is found in him. All the grace that you need is found in him. I want us to reintroduce our kids now at this time to come back and do our service because in just a moment, 
we're going to allow you to have a candle if you don't already have one. Can a couple guys in the back walk down the side aisles with the boxes of candles? Just hold your hand up when they come by, and they'll be glad to give you a candle uh, as, you, uh, as you request one. We want everybody here. Now, parents, let me just say, oh, how important it is that you de determine which of your children are able and responsible to have fire. And, and I want you to think about this, moms and dads. There's somebody sitting just in front of you, and they have hair. And your child's holding fire. So you determine whether or not your child should be able to hold that candle. By the way, by the way, our children are being given glow sticks. So you don't have to worry about giving fire to a little two-year-old, okay? You just, they've got a little glow stick. You want to crack it for them, and then they are participating with us. Now, we've just taken that moment to say this, but let me get back on point. Again, they're coming down the aisles. Just let them know if you need one. Um, does this not give you a different perspective of God this Christmas? To know that God didn't need us? That's not why he sent his son. And by the way, you do know that sending Jesus was a gift from God. It was a gift that you could never repay him for. It was a gift that you could never earn. The fact that God sent his son into this world as a gift for you. That should humble you. It humbles me to consider what my God, who created me for his own pleasure, that I would respond to him and love him back and worship him, that he would give me the gift of his son so that I could do just that. I hope it changes every one of us in our thinking this morning about Christmas. And that tomorrow morning when you awaken and your family gathers and maybe you sit around a tree, maybe you don't have a tree in your house, that's okay. But as you ponder tomorrow morning, make sure you tell your children that God did not come because he needed them. He came because out of the counsel of his will, he wanted to love them. He wanted to have them, not because he needed them, but because he's God, and he chose us to be the joy that would bring joy back to him. So this morning, as we prepare, I want to just share with you, it says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God and it's, it's referencing the Father who is at the Father's side, Jesus. He has made the Father known. We're going to light the Christ candle, and then we're going to allow you to have your candle lit from the Christ candle and all the way to the back. The reason why 
you walk in light, if you're in the light, is because you've received by faith Jesus Christ, God, in your heart. He's died for you. He's suffered for you. And now you have righteous life in you because of him and him alone. What an incredible gift. The very presence of Jesus. To have the presence of Jesus. And tomorrow morning, it's not the little angel on top of the tree and it's not the gifts. It's knowing that you have Christ. That's all you need. Amen? The rest of it's just fun. But this is the real stuff. So I want to take this candle here and I'm going to invite some ushers to come forward and help me if they would, if they have a candle. I'm going to go ahead this morning and light, first of all, the Christ candle. He is the light. And yet, he says, I'm calling you to be the light of the world. In other words, not that you yourself can somehow muster up light. You're not holy of yourself. You're unholy. But Christ has clothed you in his righteousness. And as we who know Jesus personally by faith, as we walk through this life, we have opportunity every day to shine the light of Christ in the hearts of people. To share Christ, to be like David Tyrus and don't pass an opportunity that comes and share the love of Jesus. We have this opportunity. Frank, come on up. As we, I want you to stand, all of us, if we can, and, and uh, the ushers will come down the aisles and just go down the, two, the center aisle, guys, and just light the first person each, each row. And they'll pass that on to the next person. And then as we get all the candles lit, even though we've got quite a bit of daylight, but the Lord's helped us. He's made the sky a little gray today. So we will light these candles and we will represent the fact that Jesus is the light. And that the light is now shining in our hearts. This is simply a symbol of it. There's much more to it than just a candle in your hand. It's what's in your heart that matters. And we're going to sing a very, uh, a very familiar song and one that we sing each year at this time. And I want you to sing with all your heart. You sing from that heart where Christ has illuminated you and changed you and transformed you. Where God who didn't need you, but he came after you. He wanted to create us. Thank God that he did. And he put his son in us, a, a, a permanent present, presence in our life. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. 
awesome you are, and yet you would create us, and you would create us in your image, and then you would send your son to rescue us from ourselves. And, and this Christmas, while we think about a little baby in a manger, we know that's no longer the picture. Jesus, you were with the Father before time began. And now you are standing ready to come back and to take home your children. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us to worship you this Christmas morning. Allow the worship to be so genuine, so real, so authentic, that we would take you to others in our lives, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, Wherever we go, that, Lord, we would share the love of Jesus, shine the light of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may blow out the candles carefully, please. And uh, 
I want to share something else with you that coming out of this service and what a wonderful time it's been. But I got to tell you, we've had quite a few people who have shown up this week over at the new property on 82nd Avenue where we have purchased uh, our, our future uh, church building. And uh, there's a lot of work going on and there's a ton of work to do. And this week, if you'd like to show up and help us, we'd love to have you. Uh, uh, I know after like 2, 2.30 in the afternoons till about 5.30, 5 o'clock, there's always generally somebody there. And I think this week there'll be some people there in the mornings as well. You can sign up for projects. Uh, Kurt, did you want to just say a quick word or do you want people just to see you in the back? Okay. Yeah. Right here. This mic right here. There he is. Exciting times are happening. Amen. I take away from the spirits moving here today, but but we need all of you. We know we all want to take a be a part of this, be a part of this great time we have here. So Amen. As the body grows and prospers, but there's a lot of work to be done. So I will be in the back. Just come. We need skilled, unskilled. If you'll put your name, phone number, any skills you have. I'm an unskilled laborer. I'm a gopher. You know. So. <laughs> But we need everyone. We need everyone. I just Amen. want to encourage you yes. go home and celebrate today and our, our Savior's birth. Thank Amen. You. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, brother. Wonderful. You can see him in the back. Please give him your name. Let him know what you, the kind of work you're willing to do that you'd like to participate in. Then as these projects come up, you'll get a phone call and you can join us. But you can show up out there too. It's okay. We'd love to have you just to see what's going on. It's exciting. God bless, church. Thank you for being here, and make sure that you make tomorrow morning about Jesus. <laughs>